Gaming podcast. I'm John. I'm Chris, and we are two self-employed friends who've been having the same conversation about video games for 28 years, and then we decided to start a podcast about it. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the thing you didn't know you needed in your life, and probably still don't. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is actually going to be a special episode today. We spent our weekend running around the halls of the Austin Convention Center at DreamHack Austin 2018. It was a fantastic, magical, bizarre uh, experience. Very fortunate to have this in Austin. It's the third year here, and it's a lot better than it was two years ago. So I was very pleasantly surprised. That's good. With all the awesome stuff that was there. Yeah, it was my first like video game convention in a very long time. Right. And boy, have things changed. You've been missing out. <laughs> it's like, it's a whole different Ooh, thing. Gone are the buddy. days of like smelly, you know, CRT land parties with a couple hundred people. It is a, it is a, it's mainstream. The world has changed yeah. while you've been making beer. Yeah, and also I noticed that I got a lot older. Yeah. And everybody else. And everybody else stayed the same age. Everyone stayed the same age. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. No, it's not. I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how I feel about it. No, it's pretty weird, but okay. I mean, I think there's a lot of growth in terms of there are older people now than there used to be. Like when we were kids going, it was just pretty much all kids. Right. And now there is an actual spread. Yeah, sure, it trends younger. Yep. But I didn't feel completely out of place like I probably would have if we were 34 years old going to QuakeCon in 2002. That would have felt weird. I think that would have felt weird. And I still might feel weird doing the BYOC segment at 34. We'll talk about that. We'll talk got, about it. I got that it. on my list, yeah. But in terms of the age bracketing there, I didn't think it was too weird. And I think even being 10 years older wouldn't have been that out of place there. And maybe some of that's because they were parents. <laughs> but still, there were enough uh, people that were 40s, 50s there that I didn't think it was that ridiculous. Yeah, it was pretty. So it was a surprisingly widespread of demographics. But yeah, so we'll get we'll get to that. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, DreamHack. So initially, we're going to start off with a tour, walk through the building, kind of give you a yeah, visual. Absolutely. Yeah, what our experience was getting there, just kind of set the stage for the rest of the episode. Um, in the second part, we're going to be talking about uh, all the esports we watched, which were a lot. That was like really the focus of the whole thing. I feel like it seemed. DreamHack is all about the esports now. Apparently, there were ten to fifteen different games there. Yeah, the BYOC thing was almost you know pushed off to the side. It felt they were. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still a really big <laughs> section big. for the BYOC there. Not as much as Hearthstone though. That was Hearthstone was super pushed off to the side as it should have been. Yeah, it was off in its own room. That's, they got they got what they deserved. <laughs> yeah, they did. And then we're going to talk like at the end of that section, part two. We're going to talk about our like a bunch of our top memories. We kind of went through it, and some overlap, some don't. But we figured uh, there's some very <laughs> bizarre things that we saw. Uh, oh, I almost forgot. I had another one. Anime flags. We're going to talk about that. Oh yeah, because I do not understand it. All right. Um, and one then day. part three, we're going to talk about the games we were playing. We're going to start off with the tournaments we entered. So I played in the Dragon, uh, the Dragon Ball Z. I played in the Tekken 7 tournament. You played in... I played in Dragon Ball and Street Fighter and Tekken. Yeah. 
and then uh, we are going to talk about the indie games. They actually had a, quite a few booths of uh, indie game developers out showcasing new games and development games, alpha builds of games. I'd say around thirty to forty developers. Yeah, it seemed like it changed from changed changed from day to day as well. So mm-hmm. we took some time to kind of check that section out. And then finally, we're talking about the free play. There was a whole bunch of like just free every kind of game you could. It was a nice little arcade set up, and then you could also play fighting games in the section if you brought your controller. Mm-hmm. There's also the console free play area, which had dozens of computers. We just didn't really get to. Yeah, there was just so much going on. Yeah, there's. <laughs> which says a lot about the the convention that. We didn't really run out of things to do. No, yeah, we were there for three full days, and and still, like, I, there are parts of that whole that whole section place that I didn't even touch. Or barely, barely, like, I'd walk past and go, "Oh, that's interesting. I'd like to take some time to do that," and I never did. Yeah, it was content filled without the need for DLC. <laughs> you got the whole thing mm-hmm. for, your, for the price. Um, right. so they you, do had they did have loot boxes. Did you see that when you registered? I saw that, but I never, I never. I don't know what it was. I didn't pay for it. That's yeah. It was like if you got the premium membership. I was trying to figure out what the difference was. So we we both bought three day passes, and I was trying to figure out the difference of the three day pass versus the three day premium pass. If there was anything other than a loot box, as far as I could tell, you just got uh, some random things, and I can't fault them for trying to make some extra cash. But bad, it's not like you needed it. Bad it's not timing though. Is it? I mean, loot boxes are kind of a. I think it's only bad when it's something for content. If you had to get the loot box to be able to sit somewhere. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, there's old, this old section of the PUBG tournament area. It's like, you only sit here if you get a special ticket. And the only way to get a special ticket is to buy a loot box. And the drop rate for those tickets are pretty low. That would have been bad. That would have been horrifying, but really funny. <laughs> That would have been a good, you know, if they had done it as a commentary on loot boxes, then I would, I'd appreciate that. If they would have somehow worked it in but not actually done it, yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> if it had been like a, yeah. As is, we're giving them ideas already, so we should stop. Yeah, good point. So let's let's jump in. So Friday, you board, boarded a train at the Howard Station. I came from the brewery. I had to work, finish some work up that morning. Met you on the train. Well, I tried to meet you on the train at Kramer Station. But Chris said he was in the front car. But apparently Chris thinks that the car in the very back of the train is the front car. Seems like the front car to me. Sure. So we get to the next station. And I run there was in. a person in there. That's reasonable. <laughs> I see that there's a person there. They're in the front. Don't you feel like the direction the train is moving, the, the train car closest to the front of the moving no, train? No, I just look for front. a person. Okay. Find a person who works there, who's sitting in a place that's for people who work there. <laughs> that's the front to me. Okay. <laughs> Done. Well, at the Crestview station, we managed to connect into the same car, which is great. Also, I was happy because the car I was in, everybody was super quiet and awkward. And I got into your car, and it was like, Halfway to a party, which is fun. We're all getting excited for DreamHack. I think so. So we rode the train all the way into downtown Austin. It was it was warm outside. I'd say like low mid nineties maybe. And everybody, we, we I kept hearing people complaining about the heat and they're like, oh, it's boiling. It's the hottest I've ever experienced in my life. I'm like, yeah, you're not you're not from Texas. That's fantastic, especially when you hear it from somebody who's obviously speaking Swedish or some sort of Nordic language. Yeah. There were people that flew in from Europe. all, I mean, all it was over the world, from yeah. all over the world. But I do distinctly remember. A, they weren't speaking English, but a Nordic conversation uh, between these guys, and I was thinking, you guys must be miserable here. <laughs> you don't even know. Right. So, yeah, so we get to the place, we get to the train station that stops right outside the convention center in Austin. I feel like we immediately went back across the street to the hotel there to get some coffee, right? Some food. Yep, we got coffee, we got a little bit of lunch, and then just ate that 
real quick. Yep. Had some coffee so we could actually get ready and rear it up to go. <laughs> for, yeah. Take everything in. And so we did. And then we walked across the street and stood in line for the beat. Not the OC Fire badge. Yep. Then we were at DreamHack. And, uh, Real smooth process. The awesome, It really was. I was I was kind of afraid that it was going to be a, a cluster, but it seemed like the, it seemed a little bit disorganized, but like the people who were checking people in were flexible enough. They were kind of jumping between lines. They were just kind of grabbing who was like, hey, look, I got an opening. Who's next? Just get over here and get me. So they, were, get you through. they were fast. Yeah, they were yeah. very fast. It was faster than when I went to Pack South a few months ago. Oh, yeah. The line there took about 20 minutes for us to get our badges. And this one took maybe wristbands, five? whatever we got there. This one took maybe five. Like maybe even. It was super quick. Right. And then we went into the big hall. Yeah, I feel like we entered the right the right door because this, this so to give you an idea we walk in the Austin Convention Center is massive and they were actually utilizing the entire convention center I think so they were using the whole convention center yeah. there were little rooms for panels as well that we didn't get to go to yeah we didn't go to any panels but yeah there was the big part of all the gaming except for one really crappy game was in the expo hall <laughs> area yeah I think it's like they walled off Hearthstone from the rest of the right yeah, yeah sort of like a, a virus or a plague you don't want it to outbreak and can Right. Affect everybody else. Yeah, it's really important. Just lock that away, mm -hmm. out of sight, out of mind. It was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was very good. It was so, a wise decision. But so that didn't ruin our experience with the No, absolutely, because they made a smart choice there. Yeah, very strategic. Definitely. Very strategic. So <laughs> more strategic than the play is actually in Hearthstone. <laughs> so all right, set the scene. So we walk in. What's the first thing that we see? BYOC. BYOC. Yeah, it's off to our left is this massive what used to be called land parties. But I guess that's not that's not hip. Yeah, like, you you pointed it out to me. I didn't realize it. That yeah. nowhere did it say land party or land. It just was the BYOC whatever. Yeah, we're, and that's we're gonna come back to that later. So it's the well, this, it's all kind of dark, bluish. The the lighting, the production, and the lighting is, is it was set up well. Yeah, and I was I was blown away at the at the amount of money they must have spent on just like lighting. I mean, it's ridiculous. This place is like well, well lit. Absolutely agreed. Uh, and there were hundreds of computers there. Yeah, at least and by the uh, end of it all, it was super cold. They had every AC in that entire place cranked. I really was wishing I brought my jacket there. Yeah. Even though it was ninety degrees outside, and we just talked about, I really wish I brought my jacket. Yeah, as soon as, I think we as soon as we walked in, we both looked at each other and we're like, man, we should have brought a jacket. But it was nice because I mean, when you have that many computers running and, and that many people inside of one room, and by day two and three, it warmed up. It felt really good in there. It's just the first day we got there it was really cold. I think because it wasn't filled up yet with people. They're trying to get ahead of the curve, right? Yeah. So yeah, so we walk in and then a. Uh, on our right was the first esports stage, the CS:GO stage, right? Yep. Counter Strike Global Offensive was set up there, pretty big. Yeah. Pretty big setup. I never went over there to watch it. I glanced by it uh -huh. when I was coming back from the bathroom or something. One time when I was meeting up with y'all, I kind of just did a, a detour, so I looked at that and okay, sure, it's here, great, yeah. but not really. I mean, we've seen it before, and we knew not really our jam. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you proceeded into the hall, on the right was a whole bunch of, uh, I guess, booths. Just like rows and rows of booths that were mixes of... Um, so the first setup was uh, like vendors and merchants. So there was Corsair, uh, yeah. whoever makes those chairs. A lot of the, ga the gaming merch people. Yeah, the people like you're buying software or... Some or not hardware for your computer, something to sit on, headphones, peripherals, headphones, yeah. all of this stuff that you use to kind of help you play games. And so that was that section. And then the monster booth. Oh yeah, the, was also there. There's a monster energy drink lounge, which was. Uh, we'll talk about that later too. Mm -hmm. uh, then we had there were like these um, kind of anime 
boots where they sold. You could buy different gear and merchandise. Yeah. Ba- backpacks, socks, flags, which will also come to t-shirts, yeah. collectibles. Just those were peppered out through peppered through all the, all over the place. Right. Um, and then you had the Twitch streaming area, which we'll talk about. Uh, behind that was a whole bunch of indie, the indie game section. So you had all the like this is all yep. still this is all still to the right. So imagine you're walking down because there's something on the left, and we will there's talk something. about that in a second. Right. There was also the Overwatch section too. It was a little small section set up for Overwatch. People yep. could play that. There, there was the speed running section. Speed running section. Uh, and as you kept walking, there were the then you started reaching the uh, tabletop gaming section. And a really parts. nice board game setup. That was massive. Yeah. It was great. They didn't have that the first year they were there, but they learned that, I guess, from PAX or just other conventions. It's all, it's all free to play. It's, just, it's all free to play. Yeah. There were a lot of really good games. I've got a collection of 80 board games, so I can attest that that was a very nice collection of board games. We should have played. Oh, we did, we, we just didn't have time. We'd had an extra day, I guess. We had an extra day, maybe. Um, and then behind that were a whole bunch of artists, uh, art, art booths. They were selling artwork. They had a little art gallery, which I walked through. It was okay. And there's still something on the left, which we have not quite gotten to yet. Right. I'm going to stop but when we get to the... So, so if you, as you continue through that, eventually you're going to hit the all the uh, Rainbow Six gaming and, and fighter games. Fighting games. But before we get to that... There are three stages set up for that. Yeah. Up until this point, there's been one other thing on the left side this entire time. Right. And it's continued throughout because this, it's quite massive. This entire time. Yeah. It is, it is monstrously huge. And this is the PUBG esports viewing stage. Absolutely impressive. <laughs> they have 16 four-person booths set up. Yep. Uh, like, uh, what is it? Like the 100 versus 1 quiz show? Yeah, it's like four and four. There, there are eight on each side, four and one on the ground level, four on top of that. Each booth contained four gaming rigs for a team because, you know, in, in, in uh, PUBG, it's a, the tournament was going to be teams of four versus, you know, each other. And so that's uh, 64 players could be in this massive thing at one time, which I I was trying to do the math this morning. If I had to guess, maybe like 50, 60 yards across. For Uh, the whole thing? Yeah. It was pretty large. I was trying to, I was estimating maybe about five yards per booth. Okay, sure. Across eight booths plus, plus. A little bit of stuff in between. Yeah. So you had like, you had four and four on each side. In between you had a massive TV or projector screen, like huge. Huge. This thing had to be at least 25 feet tall, maybe? You could see it from pretty much anywhere in the, in the expo hall, assuming it wasn't obfuscated by another screen or something. Yeah, and I actually was trying to find pictures of it online to show to a friend of mine, and no one had grabbed pictures of the entire thing. Oh, how weird. Because it's hard to get an angle on the You know, I actually was taking pictures of it. I had it on my phone, yeah. and Google just made a panoramic out of it. Oh, yeah? Which is pretty neat. I mean, this thing was, this is the showpiece. And the cool thing was, this is the first time, this is like the first time it's ever been done. Um, I was reading about it. They've never built this. This is the first time this thing has, has existed, and it took them four days to build it. So this is like this is the this show. is their week. Yeah, this this, is making this was building that stage. This is the showpiece of DreamHack. Uh, That's one of the neat things about the battle royale scene is we're getting a different esports than we were before because never before have you had sixty four players in a match at one time at one time, and then you could sit and watch them. So yeah, oh the seating. Um, I was I was doing the math on this. There's seating for a thousand people. At PUBG? Yeah. It was insane. Dude, so if you think about it, I did the math for StarCraft 2, and that was about, before they expanded it for the finals, There, were, you could fit about 400 to 500 people in that area. Okay. Did and, you count it while we were there? Well, yeah, while I was sitting at StarCraft, I did the math, and then okay. I, just, I kind of took that mental image, looked over at PUBG, and replicated that, and I estimated that you could fit about 1,000 people 
not comfortably, but in there. It would actually work. And on top of that, in one of the sections, uh, they had the a raised platform stage for the commentators and the hosts to stand and do all of their live streaming streaming. It was really well done. I feel like I'm losing my, my ability to speak coherently about this thing because it was so ridiculous. Let's just leave it at that. It was absolutely massive. I think we've said a lot about it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was To crazy. the point where it was really impressive, and we'll post pictures yeah. on website and on Instagram it as was, well, so it, we can just kind of represent what was there. It was the future. Oh, yeah, and every booth, the team name was projected in front of it, and then when they got eliminated, it went boom, eliminated, and mm -hmm. their team name got wiped out, and it just said eliminated there. It, it felt pretty futuristic. It was, yeah, it was wild. Okay, so after you finally get past all of that... Right, the, basically, the left section is BROC, and then PUBG. Yeah. And then, and then StarCraft. Yeah, and the right section, yeah, the left, after the PUBG, you have the StarCraft 2 stage. And this is an official stop of the WCS. This is one of the biggest events of the year for StarCraft. Yeah, so it, had, it brought in players from all over the world. We'll, we'll talk about that. But that was a huge section. On the right, as you walk, as StarCraft 2 is on your left. On your right, you saw the Rainbow Six area. Then you saw the Smash Brawl Hall of fighting area. Right, you had the platform fighters. Yep. And then finally you had the more traditional fighters, Tekken Tech and fighter. Street Fighter, and basically Dragon Ball. Between, if you go from where you're standing all the way to the, to the right side of the hall, you'd pass through a whole bunch of tables that had all been set up for the tournaments. Each table had four spot, four stations, uh, four consoles, four screens. And then after you get through all those tables, then you hit the seating, uh, and then you hit the stage for the games. And so you'd have, you know, there's a table up on the stage, two chairs, one console, and they'd have a screen they're playing on. Above that is a giant screen. Uh, as well, let out, it was pretty cool. You could actually be playing games and watching something at the same time if you wanted. Oh, yeah. That was super fun. Absolutely great. Then past that, because this place is fucking massive. Um, <laughs> Lots to do. I know. So if you kept, if you kept walking in a straight line towards the back hall, you would, you would start passing the, what was it, the sumo? Well, there was the sumo balls. Yeah. Where you would get into one of those bubble boy type balls and you would play a king of the hill type game, it looked like, with three other players. Yeah. There was a pretty decent line at all times for it. Yeah, people were the entire time. I, I think I was too big for it. <laughs> too tall. There were some pretty tall people there. Yeah, that's, that's, maybe, maybe they didn't have fun, but there were, there were some pretty tall people. And then, I think the wait there for it was probably 30 minutes at all times. Yeah, I think you're right. And then past that was the arcades. So they had this huge free-play arcade set up with... Lots of different games. Like, and not just, not just arcade games. If you kept walking through this area, they had consoles from every generation set up running games. They had a whole VR section for free play. Yeah, they did have the VR section. We didn't get to do that either. No, and then there's a massive like console and PC gaming section where you could just basically register, walk in, and if you didn't bring a computer or you didn't bring a controller, you could go there and play. Yeah, so I, I was thinking at one point, you know, if, if we really were wanted to be hardcore but not bring a computer, the three day pass gives you 24 hour access to the festival, so you could we could just post it up in there and still have the experience of a of a land party. BYC <laughs> without having to actually bring a computer. <laughs> Keeping it old school, yeah. going land party. And then kind of wrapping around the side, tucked away, unfortunately, I thought, was the um, League of Legends Collegiate League. I don't know how many teams were competing, but there was an ongoing tournament for the whole weekend of best college team. And they brought in schools from all over. It was certainly more Texas schools. Yeah. But there were plenty of schools that I didn't recognize, meaning they're not from Texas, yeah. or at least not from close by. I was hoping we'd see the UT team play, but we, yeah, it, it was kind of tucked away. It was kind of tucked away. Yeah, and I think then, we walked by it at some point. I think UT was playing UTD 
but we had to go somewhere. Oh, okay. yeah. We didn't really have time to stay and watch it. We saw UTSA playing for a minute, too. We, were also, we did. Yeah. Same thing. Um, and then, out, then you keep walking, you're outside the place. And uh, they had the Twitch hall, the Twitch lounge upstairs, which Chris and I tried to go to. And the guy's like, hey, what are you doing? And we're like, we're just we're exploring. And he said, oh, you got to have a press badge up here. I'm like, how do we get a press badge? <laughs> and he's... So next year. Next year, yeah. Next year we get press badges. And then as you uh, pass the bathrooms, pass the garbage drop-off, pass the <laughs> uh, homeless shelter, you found there's a little hall tucked off to the side where they had the Hearthstone uh, Hearthstone gaming. So anyways, we'll talk about that anymore. Yeah, so we, we said what we needed to say about it. Uh, also, the other parts of it, just the sensory aspects, were pleasing or neutral right. in a way that weren't sometimes you get construed as a negative experience where either it, people might smell bad or it might be too loud in a constrained space. None of that was the case there. Mm-hmm. I never really had an issue with, with the smell or it being too loud or too quiet. Everything kind of felt right. Yeah. You know, nothing. I think in those instances, you just don't want to detract from the experience and nothing was detracting from the experience. I actually experienced, experienced pleasant smells at times. Wow. And so, so to compare this to another festival, I'm wearing the hat for it right now, the Great American Beer Festival, okay. uh, which we try to get out to every so often. That's an entire convention center that smells like beer farts. <laughs> so imagine like 60,000 people just farting the entire time. I that's No. That's what it smells like. Whew. This, I was expecting something similar to that, except it'd be like, like soda and candy farts. Uh, but none. No, it's fine. It's great. Uh, what they were doing. Maybe this, the ventilation was working really well. I guess so, yeah. It was not bad. But we'll, uh, we'll give credit to the attendees. Yeah, it, they just decided to share. And it was very overwhelming at first. I will say that. When, when I walked in, I was just... The, the amount of colors just and lights. Just taking in and, everything. Yeah, taking it all in. So. Maybe that's because, like you said, you hadn't been to one of these in a while. It's been a long time. So coming here from PAX, I definitely feel PAX is a little bit more overwhelming because everything is so crowded as a bigger expo hall setup. Okay. And there are just lots of tight squeezes through a lot of things. We, I felt like the spacing was always really good, with the exception of PUBG, which we'll talk about a little bit later, just because yep. it was so busy. Yeah, because every, everyone this, wanted to watch it. Especially the first day, there was a the spectacle. Especially the first day. Just, yeah. Anyways, so we'll get to that. So yeah, overall, it was pretty cool first experience getting there, seeing everything. Everything was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, the only problem I had was everybody kept getting really excited about this little barbecue joint around the corner. And we actually promised we wouldn't even talk about it because it was so not worth talking about. Okay, so we're not going to talk about it. All right, yeah. I was just so disappointed that was people's intro to Texas barbecue. The barbecue that is close to the Austin Convention Center was not ideal. It was mediocre. Mediocre. Yeah. Anyways. But, but we ate it, and then we got to watch some esports. Yeah. Which we'll be talking about after the break. Okay, so I think Unless that's... Unless you have another... Another observation for... Well, there's a panel halls on the outside, which I guess was a thing, which we didn't go to any of those. We didn't go to the panels. And we'll talk about how everybody was streaming everywhere all the time, constantly. Yep. We'll get to that. Yeah, so anyways, that's about it. That's okay, we get into kind of everything that we saw there. All right, so we'll take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about watching eSports. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, which <laughs> there's something funny about that. So like, please listen to a podcast with two guys talking about what it's like to watch <laughs> other people play video games. <laughs> <laughs> so meta. That's part two, baby. <laughs> So we had some great moments watching esports since it was such a big thing there. 
right? We had 15 different games to choose from, so it's kind of hard to narrow it down at times. But we did choose our top five games, and for we kind of aggregated these together to get the experience. Tied for fifth place was Smash Wii U, which is mine. Mm-hmm. And it's a platformer, that fighting game that everyone should be aware of if you're anywhere in the gaming scene. You get to play all these Nintendo characters. It was actually pretty entertaining to watch more than what I'd seen in other Smash games. Something I liked compared to Smash Melee is that in Smash Melee there's a lot of ledge guarding where people, if you kind of hang off the edge and then you keep shooting projectiles at them so you don't get them back on, mm-hmm. it's just really boring to watch because nothing interesting is happening. Smash Wii U seemed to do away with it, whatever balance things that they made uh, and their, their changes to the game. So I actually enjoyed watching that more than Melee, even though Melee has a little bit of a higher reputation. Yeah. And then you liked... Uh, I liked Rainbow... Well, it was my last one. Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, We watched one full match of that, or full... Yeah, full match, which is a couple games. Yeah. I I enjoyed aspects of it. I did find it to be very disorienting when it first started. and Well, it just stayed disorienting. And I don't know if that's due to the technology behind the spectator... um, player, the person controlling that, or... Uh, to me, it just felt like the game isn't esports friendly because of all the tight corridors. Yeah. I don't know how you would deal with it. I was going to say, it was, it was a lot of very tight corridor, corridors, and when they're switching between players, it became, you know, the visuals of each area changed so dramatically. It became tough to really follow who's doing what and where. And yeah, I didn't really feel like I could orient myself very well. Yeah, and when things start happening, they happen very, very fast. Um, one cool aspect, though, I did like is... Uh, seeing people utilize the ability to destroy the environment so much uh, to create a lot of very creative um, sight lines, very long sight lines through the levels so that they could, you know, it seemed like they had figured them all out. So people would set up, like, bust a hole in this bathroom wall, specifically at this spot, and then shoot a hole through that wall, and then something through that wall, and suddenly they've got a sight line down, like, half the level. They had some really neat setups there that they came up with just strategically. Yeah. My problem with it was while they're setting all those things up, like, that's the first half of every round. It's just and so you're essentially watching two minutes of people set up holes in walls, and there's not a lot of action going on. Right. And then there's two minutes of actual action. Yeah. And so the pacing for me just kind of didn't really ebb and flow in a way that I found as enjoyable, just yeah. why I had Smash higher than it. If I played Rainbow Six, I bet I would enjoy that opening sequence more, because then I'd, I'd be getting something out of it. But since I don't play the game, I was just like, okay, can we just get to the... Yeah. And for me, I think the far f- fives that are tie there was a lot lower than the one through four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the number number four we both had... We Dragon Ball Fighters was our average yeah. ranking. Yeah, and this is moving into an area where I think we were really enjoying it. So the next four we actually both enjoyed. We both, yeah, yeah, had a good time. Dragon Ball had a lot of really good moments there. Oh, yeah. The the competition in the last... Uh, the Losers Finals and the Grand Finals was fantastic. So the way that fighting games kind of work out is you go through all the winner's brackets, it's double elimination... Eventually, people go to the losers, and then whoever wins out of losers goes back to face the winner in the grand finals, and the loser needs to win twice in a row yeah. to be able to win the whole tournament. And that didn't end up, did not end up happening, but in the grand finals, it was 3-2 to two on the game count for the first playthrough. Yeah. So it was a really tight game, and actually tighter than it was kind of expected to be, because the guy who did win uh, just beat the best uh, player in Asia, so he's very hyped up at the moment at uh, from from his combo breaker game that he played a week prior. Oh wow! So having that close of a match between these two was 
for someone who's been following it, really exciting. And then even, I think you had a lot of fun watching it, too. Yeah, so, you know, you'll remember a few episodes ago, we first brought up Dragon Ball Fighters. I looked into it, and it was very difficult for me to know what the hell was going on. It's a lot. There's a lot going uh, on. There's lots of spectacle. Yeah, but fortunately, being you know, being, he, being at te- uh, DreamHack and having you there and Nick there, and we kind of talked through it. Nick was, Chris's brother, Nick, was there with us most of the time. Um, I got a good sense of how the game plays, and... One thing that I really enjoyed about it was how it tied in the fact that, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters is an anime, right? And um, it kept inserting elements of the anime into the fight. And so you're, you have what is ostensibly a 2D fighter, but then suddenly it would, like, shift slightly into, like, you're watching an anime. And it did that so seamlessly that it felt like, at times, it felt like you're watching the show, one of the smart decisions yeah. that Arxis, the company that makes Dragon Ball Fighters, did was actually make it a 3D game, technically. Everything is modeled in 3D. So even though you're playing in 2D, yeah. everything on the modeling makes it so that when they do those special moves, mm-hmm. they can twist the camera and actually show different aspects of their the full fleshed-out character. Yeah. So yeah, it makes the visual experience absolutely fantastic. I think it's the most visually pleasing. And I say that a lot on things, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks really good compared to other fighters. Oh, yeah. Really and, good. I think it's the best-looking fighter out there right now. I would not disagree with that. And as somebody who's never actually watched the show, but I've seen enough clips of it to know that during fight sequences in the show, things get in- insanely overpowered, right? And so if you're going to make a Dragon Ball Fighters game, how do you capture that absurd level of energy? And I think they did a good job. And they do that through the use of you know, inter- interjecting, or not interjecting, because that would imply that it's not seamless, of seamlessly um, stitching in these these moments of animation. And the way that it affects the eSports, uh, with some of their balance choices, uh, there's definitely comeback uh, potential in these matches that get you really excited for not really knowing what's going to happen. A lot of times in these games, things will get kind of decided early on. Uh, but in Dragon Ball... That's really not the case because you have this this thing called sparking, which gives you a massive regeneration bonus and damage bonus. So if you're down to your last character, it also amplifies. So if somebody's down to just one character, it's going to be super powered for the next 20 seconds. And really, at that point, anything can happen. And there were times when watching the tournament, that really was the difference of somebody being able to come back and not come back. Uh, so I think overall, just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, you, you are an avid player of the game, so you know it well. Uh, but for me, as somebody who doesn't play it and had never watched it before, um, of all the things that were there, just watching that quickly became one of my favorite things to watch. Yeah, the fact that it was able to rise so quickly after not yeah. having paid it, attention to it at all. Right, so. Yeah, so that was number four. Number three, we had as... StarCraft two. Two, Yeah. Um, so StarCraft 2, I ranked actually a little higher, but Chris had a little lower, so we kind of averaged it out to three. Um, I had it up there because this was actually my first, I mean, this is my first time ever seeing eSports live. But as you remember, if you remember correctly from the previous episode, I think I talked about how this is what I was most excited about. Like going, You into, were really pumped up about StarCraft yeah, the whole time. Because I've been watching StarCraft 2 for a long time. For Even though I don't even play the game, I just enjoy watching it. Um, I'm familiar with a lot of the players. And so going in and seeing the setup, which was incredible, um, and it was, this, was, this was on the WCS, uh, so these we had professionals coming in from all over the world to play. Blizzard definitely had their hand in it. 
Yeah. I mean, you could see the blizzard touch of making things go off and work correctly. Yeah, it, yeah, it worked well. Um, <laughs> there was one moment where they had a weird camera freeze for about three minutes. Yeah, and a game glitched for a little while, too. a game too. glitched. Um, but I, yeah, it was, just, it was just what I was really looking forward to. And uh, the experience of just seeing these people play live, sitting in the crowd with a whole bunch of other people who are also all very excited about what's going on. Um, and at this point, I should probably talk about the commentators. Uh, the commentators for StarCraft II and for the games that are coming up were really, really good. Uh, it actually added a lot to it. And so I've just seen the skill of commentators in esports in general just getting better and better and better and better. To the point where the the visual aspect of the being physically there, watching and hearing them, it adds something to the game. Uh, anyways, yeah, that's how you know esports is kind of going to the next level. When you have these really professional players or uh, people who are part of the scene who aren't actually players in the scene, who are adding to the experience overall. Oh yeah, it was super fun. Um, so yeah, for me that was that was definitely a highlight watching that. Was some, that was one of the reasons I went to DreamHack was to experience that for the first time. I had fun watching StarCraft. It's not something that I watch very regularly, but I did watch it at DreamHack two years ago when they were here and did enjoy the finals. So. Getting to see the finals at this one and compare the two, they certainly paid more attention to making this a more serious event. There was more seating everywhere. There was more of a spectacle. There was just more to take in overall, and that made it easier to immerse yourself in what was going on and get really hyped up over some of the bigger plays that happened. Yeah. Uh, and there were some pretty cool plays. I think the only complaint I had with StarCraft and why I ranked it a little bit lower uh, compared to the fighting games is because you don't, similar to Rainbow Six, you don't always have action. The first five minutes of each game was kind of, okay, they're scouting each other. Mm -hmm. I'm not super interested or invested in what's happening. But once they got started the back and forth with the, the drops in, with Terrans doing these little sneak attacks and Zergs doing their crazy thing, it was actually much more engrossing. Yeah. And so I think if the whole game was that, yeah, maybe I'd have it ranked a little bit higher. But it's certainly a fun experience. That's fair. And then number two, we had... Tekken 7. Tekken 7 for both of us. Tekken uh, 7 was really cool. I mean, certainly I had a little bit of a interest in it because I'm playing it more than anything else right now. But I think it's a lot of fun to watch. They, like Dragon Ball, have a similar comeback mechanic called Rage. And while you're enraged, you, it's when you're down to your last little bit of health, you do more damage. Mm -hmm. But you also are able to do this thing called a Rage Art or a Rage Drive, which is just a special, special move you have access to only during that. And it can deal a ton of damage if you catch somebody asleep at the wheel. Mm -hmm. Uh, that made some pretty interesting comebacks possible. I'd say the only complaint I really had about watching Tekken compared to other Tekken events is that this wasn't on the Tekken World Tour, and so it didn't draw some of the really big-name players that other events draw. Right. And the really was only one pro that I recognized there, and he easily won the tournament. Yeah. But throughout the entire top eight besides him, there were a lot of really fun matches to watch. Certainly high-skilled players who know what they're doing and will beat the majority of most people. But it's just when you get to that tournament setting, there's you know all these different tiers you get into, and yeah. there was one guy clearly at the top. And for me, uh, yeah, I put it on my list too because this was the tournament that I played in. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. But um, So I was already kind of bought into what was going on. You had trained me for an hour. <laughs> Got that about serious hour training. I know. And uh, so I... I had a better idea of what was going on. I was able to watch people who beat me go a lot further in the tournament. Um, 
same thing with you. I was going to watch you play and Nick, and so it was. So for me, the Tekken Seven experience was pretty prominent, um, especially on Saturday. Yeah. To me, Tekken also kind of feels more like an actual fight between people than a, a as much as a video game can, because there's a lot of jabbing and blocking and counterattacking, and the ebb and flow isn't so much of. Uh, I'm gonna do a 30 hit combo like I do in Dragon Ball and then blast you with a beam, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like they're doing punches and kicks and jump kicks and backflips and stuff. And yeah, sure, it's excessive compared to what a normal human can do, but it's a lot closer to what humans are actually able to perform in a fight. Very strategic, yeah. There's a lot of strategy and tactics, and you could see some of the mind games at play when people are oh, yeah. trying to mess with what they think is going to come next. Oh, and quick side note. Um, I know we kind of kept mentioning, and you'll hear it in our, uh, we'll, something we'll talk about here in a minute, but uh, my character Katarina was fan service for, yep, absolutely. for guys. Um, they're <laughs> def- ridiculous. But in the interest of like gender equality, uh, some of the dudes in that game are like, they're like 12 packed muscle monsters. And I remember I was like, man, I, like, I need to go to the gym. And there is fan all around when it comes to Tekken and really a lot of fighting games. Yeah, that's what I realized. Like, everybody was getting some eye candy. Yeah, uh, I mean, Katarina is certainly a next level experience for that. I know, I think there were you, some you other... Were, you think they were about equal? Yeah, there was... I mean, so I would agree, except that she has a thong coming clearly out of her shorts. Yeah, some of the dudes are... Ba- I mean... It's yeah, that's fair. All right, there's all right. definitely dudes that are jacked out of their minds I on. Think, I think there's some, some equal, steroids. Equal opportunity <laughs> fan service in that there, game. There is absolutely. You've got so. something for everybody there. Pro- progress. Progress. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a great world now. All right. Um, and then number one, we both had this. We both agreed on number one. Uh, PUBG. PUBG. Pre- pretty easily. This is our quick number one. Which surprised both of us, I think. Yeah, because you hadn't watched it, and I played it for. Probably 30 hours on the PC and then stopped because I kind of lost interest. Yeah. But watching it was a whole other experience. Oh, my God. There were so many crazy moments. And I talked about some of these other games kind of having downtime and easing into matches and that kind of taking me out of it. PUBG, from the moment that they drop on the ground, shit's going down. Yeah. And the commentators, the, the, that was where the best commentators were. And they had, in any given match, there were five people involved. There were three people who were the hosts, who going into the match would be on the stage. You could literally stand like six feet from them, watching them broadcast. And then once the match kicked off, there were two more people that would take over as actual commentators. Uh, and they they were fantastic and absolutely very professional. They knew what they were talking about. They made it real entertaining. Had quick witted responses oh, at yeah. times. They um, the first two we saw when we were watching the two person matches so on Friday. They had a smaller tournament or it seemed like a smaller tournament where teams were divided down into two instead of four. Yes, two two uh, teams two. Yeah, the the casting duo we. First heard there was hilarious. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I don't remember awesome. what their name was, but they were really good. Uh, and then those ones that we saw on Saturday and Sunday were also absolutely professional, yeah. exceptional. In any game, we got we got sixty four people trying to kill each other uh, in this in this super large map that's a little glitchy. Uh, it lends itself towards um, some really exciting moments, which we'll talk about in our. Yeah, in it's our unfortunate game. that PUBG is so poorly optimized. There were. <laughs> several times when the spectator view would just grind to a halt to yeah. like 15 frames per second, 10 frames per second. Yeah, it did slow down a couple times. Um, For the most part, it was fine. 
I wouldn't say it. I mean, it's, we still have it as our number one. Yep. That obviously didn't detract that much. And the spectacle of that whole display that we were talking about earlier added to everything. Because you're just, everywhere you look, left, center, right, there's something PUBG going on. Yeah, I feel like we're not even selling it well enough on how ridiculous it was. But it was, I will say, uh, this did occur to me. Um, you know, we talked last week about the lawsuit between uh, the creators of... Um, of PUBG, PUBG and Epic, right? Right, yeah, and then yeah, Fortnite, Epic. Yeah, Fortnite, and so it just it just reminded me, and I had that. I was thinking about it while we were watching. Like Fortnite just stole the entire thing. Like it, there's nothing original in Fortnite that I could see, other than like the base building aspect, which is also stolen from Survival. The difference games. in Fortnite is it's more arcadey. PUBG yeah. is a more realistic shooter, which I think probably lends itself to watching. Uh, better because it's just easier to grasp that realistic aspect than it is the arcade and you know walking on water while I'm building a bridge that Fortnite has. I actually tried to go watch Fortnite videos on Sunday because I wanted to see what is it like having a similar esports experience to PUBG, but they didn't have anything up that I could find. All the tournaments were from the perspective of the players. And while that's fine, I think the enjoyable part was having an actual really solid camera work done. And the announcers adding to it, like we were just talking about. Yeah. Also getting that overview. You would have at times uh, be panned up high so that you could see 12 different people all moving around at the same time. Because they're all tight together. Yep. They don't necessarily know where one another is. And so they're constantly flipping back and forth to see who has vision of who or who's behind something. Watching them peek out, peek in, sneak around, all these different tactics that these squads use to just slowly get an edge. It's not really something you can grasp from just watching one player. Right. So having that spectator view and having somebody who obviously knows what they're doing with it uh, has been unmatched from what I've seen online from Fortnite so far. Yeah. Fortnite does have uh, $100 million coming to the scene in esports in the coming year. Really? So they definitely are going to get on this bandwagon. I expect to see something pretty similar to what we had with PUBG. 64 player. Something like that. Spectacle. Yeah. So when that happens, I do want to watch it and compare. But I think PUBG is better to watch because just building stuff adds more craziness to the game that is harder to really get into. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had... Like, football players just building walls in the middle of a match would be kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. something like, like, if they're just doing things that are kind of unnatural yeah. looking, right? I gotcha. And PUBG, everything feels pretty natural, even with the glitchiness. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, uh, one thing that was nice about the spectator mode is we, as spectators, have way more information about what's going on than the players did. So if you noticed, like, all the players would be highlighted and marked from our view. So we would know there's a guy, you could see the guy in the bush right there. We could, we would know that there's two guys right on the other side of that hill that this guy's about to see or might not see. Or, you know, they'll drop a smoke grenade. We can see where the player is in the smoke, he's outlined, but the player that we're looking through can't. And that's really tense for us as the audience. Yeah. Because you know what could happen yeah. in the blink of an eye and a, they don't. A guy's about to go into a house and we know the dude's right there waiting for him, but they don't know that the other person's about to come. Through. It's sort of like watching uh, like a horror movie almost and that you had that sense of anticipation, right? Yeah. Of like a, a jump scare or something or someone's about to get attacked by the monster. The same sort of thing of you are about to get shot in the face if you turn around that corner incorrectly. Yeah. So all of that together just from especially once you were down to about 40 players and the zone was getting pretty tight, mm-hmm. it was like adrenaline the whole time, which for an eSport, 
I think really sets a new bar. Yeah. I, had, I had more fun watching that than I've had in a lot of League of Legends matches when I used to really follow that more closely, right. and other fighting game tournaments as well. I mean, things that I've followed most closely in the past, PUBG was able to ascend very quickly to those heights. Yeah. So I, I'd say it was very fun to watch. Man, I would do watch parties at the taproom now with PUBG. Hey, yeah. Speaking of, if you want to transition to our top memories, there's two that come that we both have on our list that both come from PUBG. We had some really good moments. Should we just PUBG? dive straight into this? Yeah, let's just talk about it. Yeah. Already here. Let's do the the Niebler one. Which okay. Is... Yeah, so we might be getting his name wrong, but there was someone named Niebler or something so, close to that who <laughs> was trying to escape from a squad of people. So it's, it's four-man squads, and he's down to just him Just on by team. himself, yeah. He gets on a bike. He's making a run for it. He's trying to get out. There's He's, other teams coming. There's fire from everywhere. They start shooting at him. You can see the bullets getting laid down on the dirt. Mm-hmm. He and makes he, a run for run for or a bike for it. He makes a bike for it. He's on his bike, and then he goes up this hill. Dude, it's he evil Knievels he, that shit. Evil like, Knievels the Superman hill. on a motor. So he just he goes. The whole crowd's like, because we he'd been he'd been trying to survive from this, these guys for a while. So the whole crowd's kind of bought into this. You know, everybody starts cheering for the underdog. And he gets in the motorcycle. And we're like, oh no no no! And he starts going. He's getting shot at. Yeah, he hits that ramp, just soars through the air like an eagle. Soars, absolutely. Soars is the right word to use there. Yeah. And the whole crowd, I imagine just a thousand people are like, yeah! And he, <laughs> he sticks the landing. Sticks the landing. Survives for at least a little bit longer. Yeah, it takes off and everybody's still shooting and he's gone. It rides off into the, uh, into the distance. That was, was fun to watch. Yeah, glorious. The, the crowd being a part of it was such a big part. It was yeah. such a big experience. Yeah. And then Gustav. This is a guy named Gustav on Dignitas. Yeah. Who hid in a bush <laughs> so why would we for care? five or ten minutes. Like at least ten minutes, if not fifteen. So, Gustav, uh, why do we care about somebody hiding in a bush, Chris? In PUBG, in this tournament, you're trying to survive to the very end. It's a battle royale, last person to survive wins. Gustav has lost his entire team. And there's a firefight going down between three to four teams. He's watching it. He's seeing all these people that are... As close as 15 feet away from him, yep. just killing each other. And teams are like, that's a defensive position he was watching, and he was seeing teams rotate through that position. So at least like two or three teams that traded out that position while he's sitting there in this bush. Just watching it all unfold. Patience. Man. Waiting, waiting for the moment to strike and hoping he doesn't get seen. Yeah. And somehow, I gotta imagine how scared he was. And somehow he just, seen. yeah. And so somehow he makes it and. But then his moment came. Eventually, PUBG. The way that works is circles will keep closing in so that you have a smaller and smaller arena. So the circle that he was backed up to started closing in. So he knew he had to make his move. He saw two people of an opposing team right in front of him. Their backs turned to him. They've been there for a while. They've been there for a while at this point. They feel very safe. Yeah, they're like, there's no way there's anybody behind us. He throws out a smoke grenade to one guy. Yep. Which we'll get back to in a sec. He shoots the person he throws a smoke grenade at. Smoke grenades do no damage. He shoots them. And he shoots his buddy who just says, what the hell is going on? How did you die? Mm-hmm. And then they're both on the ground and their team is eliminated from absolutely nowhere. Yep. And then he runs up to the smoke grenade because he knows he just made a lot of noise and people are going to be looking in that direction. So that he can actually move around and get into a safer position. Yep. So he smokes two guys. He just t- took his time. Smoked them both. Smoked them both. Ran across. <laughs> had his, his place. Perfect. And hung out through nearly the end of the game. I think he ended up getting his team fourth place. That's right. Out of... Uh, 32 teams? At some point. No, 16 yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah, when all of his team died, there were 10 to 11 teams left alive. Yeah. So getting down to fourth with just yourself when people have squads of two to four people left alive, yeah. 
It was pretty impressive. And actually, uh, that clip, if, if, I, if that's the clip I'm going to go, I think it should be the one I'm grabbing. The clip you heard at the beginning of this episode during the intro, that is the moment that he goes for it. And that's, you hear the crowd's reaction to him, you know, taking that, taking that thing. I would say being part of that and in the crowd made the experience better. It's something that if you're just watching at home, yeah, it's fun to watch. But to really fully get into it, you needed to be there. And so that does lend credence to esports because part of esports needs yeah. to be being there for the event right it can't just be always online you just like you had to have been there that's you just had to have been there oh man it's so great <laughs> so funny like oh you just had to just had to have been there but hopefully <laughs> our amazing use of the english language is able to describe it accurately enough that you got a sense of what was going on or you can also watch the the gustav clip i've got to imagine gustav it's dream all, hack is on youtube it's got i'll look for it and post it in the description okay uh then we've got a whole bunch of other things. So let's. Uh, why don't we just go back and forth? Yeah, well, back and forth. Well, we do a few that are, are. So we did the seeing the PUBG stage for the first time. That was on both our lists. Um, Blaze Blue, Blue Blaze. Oh, Blaze Blue. So I don't even want to get. I don't want to ruin this. So we're we're gonna use this as a teaser. So we're we're gonna. Yeah, have a, let's talk about why it matters. I wanted to watch the Blaze Blue tournament. Uh huh. It was not as easy to find as you would have imagined <laughs> a tournament. <laughs> When there's 15 other esports being represented very well and very strongly there, uh, yeah, there's a clip that How many people of, signed up for it? That had 100 people sign up for it. 150 people signed up for Tekken, so it's pretty close to that. It, it should, you were expecting it to have its own stage, it, its own... It, uh, it didn't nope, it didn't have much of anything. It was super hilarious for me and super awkward, I think, for Chris. And, it was uh, just confusing. Well, so we're not even telling... So the point is we're going to use it as a teaser... To get you to listen to our next episode, which is going to be a bonus episode. So the next, so we're going to release a bonus episode between this week and next week that is going to be comprised of clips. So we kind of recorded a lot of us actually being there. So it'll be a series of our kind of day one, day two, day three uh, recordings from DreamHack itself. Yeah, you can kind of see what it was like being there right after the fact and us not really thinking about things too hard, but kind yeah. of relaying what our experiences were at the time. Yeah, so that'll be out later this week once I... Get around. Once we post this episode. To editing, yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, let's, why don't we start with you then? I think we're off of everything here now is different from each other. So. A little bit, yeah. So, I'm going to say uh, we talked about the Dragon Ball. The Losers Finals and Grand Finals were really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as just finals, I thought those were the best ones to watch, even though I liked other things more throughout the tournament in, in Tekken and in PUBG. But the actual finals there were actually fun. And also on Dragon Ball, I got to play... Hook Game God, uh, my third round. Oh, wow. So he ended up being number three in the tournament, and he is a top probably eight player worldwide at this game. Yeah. So I won my first two games of Dragon Ball, and then I got to play him. <laughs> uh, I didn't get perfect at either time, and that was good. He crushed me <laughs> so bad. So bad. <laughs> I, you know, normally you think, like, oh, I'm pretty decent at this game. When I play a guy, yeah, I'm going to get crushed, but I'm not going to get crushed too bad, maybe. Like, you kind of had that. Silly level of hope of yeah. I might be able to do a little bit of something. And then you play the eighth best player. And then I played yeah top top eight player. He I, there was never a moment in that time being replicated where I would have won that match. <laughs> he, it just would not have happened. That's awesome. So, but getting to actually play against him in a tournament setting when I've been playing sort of average players who are yeah good at the game overall but aren't don't have any level of renown mm-hmm. uh, it was a cool experience. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to do... So, well, since we're talking about the tournaments, actually, uh, my first... So in the, in the Tekken 7 tournament, my very first game 
Uh, I'll, I'll set the story. You're gonna hear this. Well, you'll hear the, the full story in the uh, in the right. bonus episode. But to, to make a short version of it, um, I won, which I did not expect to happen. Yeah, and we'll talk about playing them a little bit more closely. But yeah, this I, was cool. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I, I kicked this guy's ass, and I felt, I suddenly felt like, oh shit. Yeah. So you accomplished more than your goal. Way more. If you remember, my goal was just to win one. Uh, one round. One, yeah, one set on somebody. Yeah, so each time you went up against somebody, you played as best of three, right? And so each... each right, each, best of three sets, which was best of five rounds. Right. So first to three gets you a round. First uh, to two sets, yeah, gets you the game. So right. I I just wanted to win one. I just wanted to go to basically two and one, at least in one match before I got eliminated. Um, I won both. Yeah, you actually eliminated somebody. I eliminated him from the. Well, he, I kicked him to the losers yeah, bracket. Right. Yeah, right. And then in my second, my second match, I actually did what I wanted to do, which I went two and one. So you actually won three, triple the sets that you. You bet. Were shooting for off of one hour of training. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty good about just that. Just imagine if you if you had played ten hours, you would have won the tournament. I know. If you just kept up that ratio. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was my Tekken Seven. So what what do you got on your list? I'll also talk about the Tekken Seven tournament. I wanted to do better than I did at Texas Showdown, which was turn my first tournament. Didn't really have a ton of practice necessarily, so I tried to actually play well here, and I did. I every match that I played was a close game. Whereas I got kind of stomped in some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually coming away with an experience of feeling like I can compete was a memorable moment as well. That's awesome. Yeah, you're pretty happy about that. Yeah, and then also at one point, uh, also on second seven on Friday when I was playing, kind of seeing the different, really feeling the differences in tiers of the game and how many there are. I played somebody and I lost uh, ten games in a row to him, and then the next guy I played, I beat eighteen games in a row. Oh my gosh! Uh, so really seeing that firsthand in a local setting uh, was neat. Uh, I mean, I don't know any way of saying it. It just it's eye opening, yeah. and I think that eye opening experience was memorable. That's cool. What do you have? Uh, I'm going to combine three things into one. <laughs> uh, and this all relates to streaming. So. The <laughs> okay, yeah, this is all. It's all just one. So the, much streaming there. This is less. This is more of a culture thing that really kind of made me feel a little older, be a little out of touch with what was going on. Maybe realize it's been a minute since I've been to one of these things. Mm. Um, the number of people walking around streaming live was absurd. Uh, the best, well, the most extreme example I can give you is one point I walked up. So, so well, let me set the stage here. The, there's a Twitch streaming section which was pretty wild to watch because in that section there were at least 40 computers and every one of these computers were people that Twitch invited in from the stream. So they're game, I guess they're gamers who have popular channels on Twitch. They brought them all to the DreamHack, all so they could stream live from the Twitch booth. So you could stand there and see these people who I guess are well-known if you're into that kind of thing, playing the game, they got a camera on them and behind them above facing outwards a screen showing what they're doing. Uh, so you could hear them all talking and talking to their fans and doing that whole thing. So that that was a, a bizarre to see for the first time. <laughs> cool. Um, Just because they had such space dedicated to it, so much space dedicated to it. Yeah, and and pe- and they also had a meet and greet. So like people would line up and meet people who were streaming and like get autographs. Uh, it was probably the size of about ten indie booths combined. Yeah, it was so massive. About right. It was a huge dedicated space. Uh, that was like just memorable, <laughs> and then uh, on top of that, I went one point went over to the Monster Energy Drink Lounge, <laughs> which is super cool. 
They were playing awesome music and lots of Rainbow Six Siege for some reason. Uh, and they gave you all the free monster energy drink you could consume. <laughs> the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, you caffeinated for free. Yeah. And so I was over there. Uh, so first time we went over, Chris and I went in, grabbed some monster energy drinks, and just walked out. No problem. The second time I went over there, I saw a huge line. I was like, oh, I don't want to get in line for this. And I realized they were all standing in line to meet some pro gamer. And the guy was just standing there signing pictures of him, his face and handing it to them. And then he'd take a photo with them. And I assume was, it was an Overwatch player because there was the Overwatch booth nearby. Maybe. I don't know. The, the people, Houston Outlaws were there, which is the Houston professional team for Overwatch. I saw a lot of Houston Outlaw t-shirts walking around. Um, Checks out. So yeah, they were they were all in line. So I grabbed my monster. I realized that's... I'm not there to meet this dude. I don't care. So I'm like, I'm just going to get my energy drink. So I walk in, grab it, and I start walking out. And some lady's like, you have to drink that in the lounge. And I was like, oh, she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. You have to hang out here. <laughs> and I was like, it's cool. I'll hang out. It's fine. So, I know you don't want to be here, yeah. but this is the rule. I'm so sorry that we have to keep you in the lounge. So I, was, I joined one of the other side of the lounge where they weren't doing the autographs and stood there with like, you know, like a lot. I mean, a lot of people. There's like 15 people in this one little Because they're all trapped. And we're all trapped. You <laughs> can't leave until like you finish your beverage. Sipping our drinks, having conversations, just staring. Or chugging it. There was one point where Nick left where we were. He said, I'll be right back. i got to go drink a monster. I was like, something's going to happen in two minutes. You need to get back. He said, oh, I'll be back. And he was back. <laughs> I don't know how he drank it that fast, but when he needs caffeine, he well, gets it. Well, there were, there were a lot of people who have run YouTube channels or Twitch channels who do a lot of streaming who came in. Uh, who were at these booths or walking around with their little, I guess, streaming sticks connected to their phones. There were so many of those streaming sticks. It's really weird. And everybody's just like talking with to themselves, well, not to themselves, to their fans, but it's kind of <laughs> It looks like they're crazy. But the, the most extreme example I can give you is at one point I was walking by and I was near the PUBG stage, uh, and there were about seven people standing in a group all kind of talking to each other, <coughs> and six of them had the <laughs> streaming sticks and the phones out and we're all live streaming their conversations with each other live streaming. I'll let that sink in for a moment. <sighs> <laughs> it was, I just want to start, I try not to start laughing in their faces. Um, and I'm sure it was, they're all very popular people with huge channels and huge followings and everybody was so excited to see all these people. I'm sure that they're not. <laughs> Could have been a thing. There are not that many famous people there considering how many people were streaming. Not all of them are famous. Yeah, well, they were all, it was like a streaming orgy. <laughs> it was a streaming orgy. It really was. It was that you wanted to get away from. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, get me away from here. It was not, not worth sticking around. Yeah. And at first, I, and I felt awkward, you know, for a moment when we started doing recording, you know, live bits of the, for the podcast and then quickly realized that what we were doing was nowhere near as, as, uh. Yeah. We're better than them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Podcasts. Way cooler. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have a little bit of elitism. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not doing gaming correctly. That's right. Um, over people. And what else you got on your list? Uh, one moment was actually from StarCraft II, uh, where in the grand finals, uh, Mana, who ended up losing, was playing Serral, and he ended up tying up this score. So they play best of seven games, right? Mm -hmm. And the fourth game, he was managed to win it with just one quick maneuver. He has these stalkers, these guys that have ranged attacks, and they have a teleport ability called blink. And so they blinked in and were able to kill these flying creatures. Broodlords? Yeah, these broodlords that uh, do a lot of bad things to their opponents. Yeah. I don't know the specifics, but I just know every time it happened, the announcer's like, oh, God, they're building broodlords. Shit's about to go down. Yeah, and and when so it, when he was able to kill them, the crowd cheered. The crowd cheered because yeah. Yeah, he's the underdog, and that was the game. 
So yeah. that one fail swoop, that one big maneuver was able to close it out. And so having all of that happen so quickly, I thought was pretty neat. Yeah. And I'll tack on my StarCraft 2 thing as well. That's, that was one of my big memories of just seeing a StarCraft 2 tournament live. That was wild. And, and that player, those players you're talking about, um, Mana is a, is I think in the top eight in the. We're non- looking up the standings. Yeah. He's top eight non-Korean circuit. And the guy who's playing, Sarah, I think is the number one in the non-Korean circuit, and number two overall in the world. Seems really good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of neat to see these uh, you know, incredibly talented players, people who are locked already for BlizzCon. Although Mana, I think, was trying to solidify his invitation. Mana was trying to get there. Mana wasn't guaranteed a spot. Cyril was guaranteed a spot. Yeah, he's already in. And so he was just doing it I, maybe for seeding. I don't really Probably for just cash. Yeah. Just because he wants to play tournament. Because... Out of the non-Korean circuit, I think it was, what, six or seven of the top eight players in the non-Korean were there? Like, it was the oh, best yeah. of the best. Yeah, no, it was, this was not a small thing. Like, right. all, yeah, almost just like, all the top-ranked players were at this tournament. Right. Um, so you really got to see... Like we talked about being a major event, but, you know, having that many good players, very impressive. Oh, yeah, there were... When I was watching the finals, there were so they expanded the seating in that area so that they could fit about probably eight hundred people. There were forty thousand people watching it online, and that was that's not even the major that's not even BlizzCon. This is just like a, a stop on the tour, right? So it's a, a major event, yeah. but still a, a big StarCraft match, not the biggest. Yeah. Um, okay, so then I've got I've got two really quick ones left. Do you have any long ones? No, just end yours. Or right. Do yours, and I'll do my last one. All right, so I got two quick ones. We kind of mentioned this earlier, the BYOC thing. Um, it made seeing the land party area made me super nostalgic for land parties, and I was like, man, I, it would be super fun to like carve out a weekend somehow, which is impossible, to go just play computer games with your friends for you know seventy two hours. At, at best, we're getting a day, a night in, and even then, it's yeah. definitely tough to get everybody together this, at the same time. This was hard enough as it was, <laughs> uh, but but worth it. Yeah, definitely worth it. Um, but the thing that really stuck out to me is they don't call it a land party anymore. It's just BYOC. Uh, it is weird, you know, since he pointed it out, I, it does seem, I guess it's cooler because BYOC is close to BYOB, mm. is all I got. Yeah. Somehow land just sounds a little too dorky. I don't know what it is, but you're right. They have kind of eliminated it from the verbiage. Yes, they have. Uh, and the other thing I had was, um, and I, I hope this doesn't come across as me uh, ridiculing um, this, because I, I just I don't understand it. This is a piece of Japanese culture, that the anime culture that's fandom that's made its way over to America. So they had a lot of booths that were selling tons of anime-related merchandise. Uh, you could buy everything. Um, but they had, this one booth had a whole bunch of flags that had just characters from anime shows on them. And I just, I was staring at them like, I don't understand what this is, why you would buy it, where you would put it. And it's just like a poster. You just put it on your wall. I guess, but it's not, I mean, it's just get a poster then? What's yeah, but then you get a flag. Flag poster. I, I just didn't understand it. If anybody understands it, please send us an email and explain it to me. Again, I'm not try- I'm not ridiculing it. I just don't understand it. Yeah, it's not something objectively stupid like Hearthstone. <laughs> exactly. It's not right. that dumb. Right. It's just a thing that we're... And I, don't get me wrong. I, I watch it. There's plenty of anime shows I watch. I, I'm not a, I'm not hating on the, on right. the genre. It's great. Right. Um, That's the point. I just, I'm not going to buy a fucking flag. Not your thing. Not my thing. All you right. did buy something, though. Oh, I did. I bought Aaron a, a little collectible... Um, 
horror movie keychain where you open up the what thing. What did she end up getting? She got Jason Voorhees. Okay, nice. She's very. She would have been happy with any of them, but she's very happy with that. Excellent, fantastic. My last thing was actually just how much better this dream hack was put together than the inaugural Austin event two years ago. Mm-hmm. Everything from the seating uh, to the activities that weren't watching esports to actually just watching the esports in general was much better handled. Everything was there's just a lot more to do, and everything that was there to do was more fun. Mm-hmm. For instance, StarCraft 2 was kind of the carryover between uh, the 2016 and the 2018. In 2016, it was a very small bleacher setup. There was probably seating for 100 people. Mm-hmm. And this year, you're thinking there were 500 seats it, there was before room they expanded? For all the games other than the championship game, there was 400 plus for seating, okay. plus another enough room for another 100 people to stand. And then when they expanded it, it should have opened it up. I, I want to say like six to seven hundred. Okay, so standing, it was so yeah, eight hundred maybe. Actually, I take it back. I think it's about eight hundred. Okay, so it was at best uh, for the finals a third of that size two years ago, and it was just to the point where you would walk by it and just it's not really worth standing for because there's just not enough room. Yeah, everyone who got wanted to watch StarCraft at worst case could stand and watch it and be a part of the experience. It was just so much more compact two years ago, and not in a way that was efficient. It was just cramped. I gotcha. And so I thought the spacing element was really well handled this, uh, this, this time around. So then the last question is, uh, you having been to two now, would you go back? Yeah, after this one. I, you know, my thought after going last time was, best case scenario, I'm going for a day. Mm-hmm. And that's when we were originally talking about the three days, I was a little apprehensive just because... I wasn't sure that we'd get three days of value out of it. Mm-hmm. And I would do three days again after seeing it, uh, especially with all of the different esports they have. If they keep that up, I think seeing first person shooters, RTS games, fighters, uh, MOBAs, getting to make fun of CCGs like Hearthstone, <laughs> especially Hearthstone. So bad. Uh, and also getting to play, you know, seeing some indie games that were there. We'll talk about those in yep. a second. And. Uh, the stores, everything there was just tons to do. Yeah. And I didn't feel bored. And it's the only part of it was being there with you and Nick. That was fun. Was a lot of fun the whole time. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it was super fun. And the nice, again, we talked about it earlier, but we didn't even hit everything. Like, even the three days we had there, there's a lot of stuff that I wish I would have been able to carve out some time for and just never did because there's just so much else going on. Yeah, I would do wish there was more we could have done at times, but we got we got value out of it. It was a lot of fun. Even the food wasn't was good, not terrible. Well, it wasn't great. It wasn't <laughs> the bad. Food is fine. Food is fine. I was expecting it to be garbage convention center food. What Southside Flying Pizza was pretty tasty. What was also cool is I only had to pay five seventy five for a quarter's light, which yeah is not that bad of a price for a <laughs> captive audience. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So we did buy some beers there while we were there, and I remember going up and. Uh, I was, uh, we paid seven dollars for a craft beer, six twenty-five during happy hour, which I don't know how, what the, how that worked, but somehow, um, which is very expensive. All like I would have balked at that pretty much anywhere else. Although, oh yeah, that's not a good price. Although you, you I definitely paid five or six bucks for, or six or seven bucks for a pint of beer at a bar, but at this place I was expecting it to be ten bucks, nine dollars. Yeah, if you go see a concert or oh, yeah. something where you're just there for convenience. It's yeah, usually ten bucks for a beer, nine bucks. So I was 
weirdly happy to shell out way too much money for that beer because it still wasn't as much as I <laughs> thought it was going to be. Right. It, it exceeded expectations. It exceeded expectations, yes. All right. Well, uh, unless you got anything else, we should probably take a break. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, talk about playing games. Sweet. And we're back. Yeah, talking about the fighting game tournaments. John got to play your first fighting game tournament. You talked about how you outperformed your expectations. I did, yeah. So this, this section, we're talking a little bit about the games that we were playing. Uh, and I did play my very first tournament. So, so I kind of already told you how it went. I won my first round, which blew me away. Uh, I lost my second, but I only I still won one of the games. And then I was destroyed. On the <laughs> yeah, then, I, then I got to people who were really good. <laughs> yeah, when I was playing, I win, I won two of my games, and then I had another disqualification win. Somebody didn't show up for the match, and then lost two games. The two that I lost were close games. Ended up losing to somebody who uh, went to the top eight. And, you know, the whole time I was thinking, man, just do a few things differently. You would have gotten there. But kind of setting the stage for how it all works out, uh, when you end up getting there, you kind of do a pre-check-in registration. So you do your registration online and then you get there and you check in with your when your name gets called, whatever your screen name is. And then you wait for your tr- your number to be called, basically. Yep. And they've got, for Tekken 7, there are two tables and for all, every game they had their own set of tables and every table had four stations and they would say, okay, where's, you know, Two Juke and Donkey World? Right, and they both players raise their hands like, all right, you're playing right here. And they sit down and play. Once they're done, they turn over to the guy holding the laptop and say, hey, man, like I won 2-0, to zero, or he won 1-2, to two, or something like that. Um, and they would just start moving through, and they'd keep it recorded, and they'd update the brackets live. Um, and once the, the first few things that really jumped out at me was how um, friendly everybody was. Like Everyone really seemed to know each other. And I talk more about one one very funny incident uh, that happened to me from a pro level player who came up behind me and tried to help. Uh, I'll, I'll save that one for the bonus episode. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> it was nice that they tried. Incredibly nice that he tried. He tried so hard, and even I just kept trying to explain to him like, what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> you're speaking another language. Yeah, dude, I played for an hour. Yeah, sorry, an hour and five minutes. Yeah, I just beat this guy. Yeah, right. That this language takes twenty to thirty hours to learn. I'm, yeah. I'm in the novice stage here. But everybody was like, it was really excited to be there. People seemed to know each other. Uh, they ha- everyone was having a good time. People were helping each other, which was really neat to see. Every time you had a match, if you wanted to afterward, you could ask them pretty much anything you want, and they'd say, hey, this is so-and-so, this is what you need to do next time. I mean, you oftentimes need to engage in that activity if you're actually interested in it, yeah. but every time I you know, kind of did a fist bump before the game, hey, good luck, get it reciprocated, you play the game, shake hands afterward, and yeah, the whole time it's a pretty pleasant experience. It's a worst case, you have somebody who's just pretty quiet and says, okay, whatever, at the end of it. Yeah. But but I didn't have any experiences where anyone actually added a negative element to the game because I of their attitude. Even people who were like upset because they lost or something, mm-hmm. it was more, you know, it sucks that I lost. I, I'm upset. I'm not upset at the world. I'm not exploding. I'm not angry. It's just... Yeah, I didn't see a single... It's just the competitive aspect that gets people. I can't see I said I saw a single negative moment in that entire 
in any of the tournaments that I was this I didn't at. either. Everybody was very friendly, which was very cool to see. Yeah, it's an aspect that continues to kind of draw me a little bit more into playing those fighting games. Is that when I can go and play people face to face, it adds something that every other game that I've played up until this point doesn't really add for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm playing League of Legends or something, I'm just really playing those online. If I play, happen to play somebody in a land situation, you're not sitting next to them. You know, you're not really close to them. You just say, hey, good game at the end of it, and that's really it. Yeah. But this, you're sitting next to the person the entire time. Right next to them. And, and you're surrounded by people watching, too. And you're surrounded by people watching, which is also cool. And you could hear people talking about game, your game. Yeah. Right? You know people are commenting about what's happening in front of them. And if you're, for me, uh, I could, I, I would, that would make me very nervous. Fortunately, I, I had the benefit of assuming that I was going to lose, so I was very relaxed the whole time. And just, the way that I combated it was I actually brought headphones. And so I made a little playlist of music to kind of get me into the game and keep me focused. Part of that is also because I learned... From Texas Showdown, you very rarely get headphones uh, for the actual in-game audio mm-hmm. while you're playing. And so since I wasn't going to have that, the next best thing was having music that kind of made me excited to play the game and kept me focused on what I was doing. I was going to ask, I saw a lot of people rocking headphones, and so I was wondering what you were listening to specifically. I listened to a big mix of stuff. I had some video game music. I had some, <laughs> I had like their Eurythmics, uh, Sweet Dreams. <laughs> I had uh, some like metal, a little bit of that. I had some rock. I had a big mix of things. I had one Lana Del Rey song. Really? Yeah. Which Lana Del Rey song? Uh, do serial you, Killer. Do you play Tech 17? Yeah, there's not a lot of options, but Serial Killer is what I had. Okay. That's so awesome. a big mix of different music. I had, uh, oh, Capital City, Staying Alive. Very weird, but kind of nice dancing music. Like the disco song? Like the disco song, but a more modern take on it. The Capital Cities version of Staying Alive is really good. Okay. So all this stuff, for whatever reason, it was all music that I curated over the past couple weeks. Like, while I was at the gym, just working out. I said, okay, this this makes the cut. This doesn't make the cut. Eventually got down the list that I chose for the for the event. Is that on Spotify? Uh, we, no, because I don't have Spotify, but we can make it work. Oh, yeah, Spotify, you can totally make a playlist and share it. We could. Yeah, Chris's uh, tech and set or video game. Well, Spotify also doesn't have a lot of video game music, so I couldn't share that. Anyway. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, not sponsored by Spotify. No. It'd be cool if we were. Nope. If you're listening. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Yeah, nudge, nudge. Um, okay. So the so I think we both really enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I, mean, I want to do it again. We both. So yeah, that's so the two follow up questions I have for you is yeah, do you want to do it again? Would you, yes. Would you do another Tekken Seven tournament? Yeah, I should. I still suck at the game. But okay. It's just fun okay. To be in the so sub follow up point before we go to the next one. Would you want to play another fighting game, or do you think just sticking to Tekken is? Kind of about to take. So I had it's a good question. I had uh, I had some thoughts on this. Um, part of me, while I was there, really wanted to pick a game and say, say to myself, I'm going to get really good at this game, and I wanted to pick an obscure character that people aren't really playing, a more difficult character to play, and kind of challenge myself to get really good. Like, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this fighting game that's very popular. I'm gonna pick that character that's not so well used, and I'm gonna get really good at this. Yeah, there's player. a few characters in Tekken that people perform poorly against because they just don't know how to play. In fact, I lost. The matches I lost, yeah. both of them, were because I didn't play against those characters very regularly. That's Not because of, but that played a huge role in me losing is I didn't know what to expect. That's part, so that's part, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, I would have the advantage. Yeah. Of, I would have an added advantage of, of unfamiliarity with the character. Right. Um, and then I reminded myself that I have a job and I work. 
uh, a lot, and I have a wife and a kid on the way, and <laughs> the likelihood of me, are, and I don't have summer vacations where I get to stay at home playing video games. So the likelihood of me doing that is very small. Right. So I'm I'm kind of fi- trying to figure out if this is really something I want to carve some time out and dedicate to, or do I just want to stay super hobbyist, just enjoy going to tournaments and playing other people? Well, I mean, at what point are you moving past hobbyist is a question. Like, what, am I just a hobbyist? Because I'm not competing for anything legitimately, right? I mean, I put in a little over 100 hours into the game, but I'm not, I have no expectations of winning those tournaments. I'm going because I just want to compete against people and see how well I do. True, but that does still, for you, it does kind of tie into your profession because your your profession is built around video games. Sure, I mean, it certainly helps to have that knowledge more globally. Right, so for you... it's more MMO specific. For you playing, like, saying a fighter game, that I imagine that's me going out and, you know... Um, touring a winery. It's sure. not directly related, but it's close enough and the knowledge helps. Yeah, you get some sort of benefit out I, of that. I do get benefit out of those things, even though it's not a brewery per se. So right. It gets maybe similar to you, but for me, right. you know, for me to get really good at one of these games, I'd have to say, all right, every morning I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and from 5 to 6, I'm going to practice. With or, or ultimately you'd have to cut out something else, right? Something you'd have to out. not play Blood Bowl maybe, or you'd have to not play something else. Right. Yeah, perhaps when, um, well, even Blood Bowl's only once a week. So even if I cut Blood Bowl out, that's still only an hour or two a week. I could maybe give it two hours a week at, at most. Right. I mean, you can make ground pretty fast, but yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, it just depends, I guess, what your expectations are. Yeah. And that does go into the next question I had for it. Would you consider buying Tekken 7? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I think I would. Yeah. Um, Do you have like a price point in mind? Do you have a. It's not, it's definitely not what? 60 bucks. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> right. It, hopefully it's not $60 now. The game is hell, a year old. Hell no. Uh, you think like a $20 game? That's yeah. usually you're like, eh, I'll give this a roll for $20. Yeah, because like if I, if I could work the bar, I can get 20 bucks in tips and just, you know, I can spend it on a game. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I, could see, I could spend 20 bucks on it. Maybe 25. Okay, twenty five. I don't think I'd push twenty four ninety nine. Twenty four ninety eight. Twenty four ninety eight. Okay. I, I hope Amazon has it for twenty four ninety seven. Twenty four ninety nine. What a steal! What what a steal that would be. Okay, that'd be cool. I think the other nice thing is, even though say you buy for PlayStation, we couldn't play together online, right. but it's very both of our controllers work on PlayStation and PC. Yeah. So we could still play games together. Yeah. Which I think is a lot of fun of these is sitting down and you know, either picking random characters or playing somebody you know and just kind of going through the whole gamut of playing that game and sitting down together. Because there's a lot of depth to these games. And even playing a random character is a lot of fun. The mo- I think what we should do, and you did this already a couple times with Dragon Ball Z, I think it would be fun to host just like an informal tournament with our friends. I think so. My, I'm actually thinking whenever Soul Calibur Six comes out, because oh, yeah. it's not as combo-intensive as these other games, about getting people together and doing a tournament like right when it comes out so nobody's had time to play it. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm going to play it more because I'm going to buy the game. But before anyone's had a real chance to super dive into anything, let's all just get together and play a tournament. Yeah, I mean, Soul Calibur, that was a series I really enjoyed playing. Soul Calibur's fantastic. So maybe maybe I'll think about diving into that one. That'll yeah, that'll be cool. Hopefully we get a release date soon, maybe yeah. three. And I assume there will be tournaments. There's definitely going to be tournaments. Soul Calibur is a top five fighting game franchise. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's probably three or four. Well, cool. And uh, I, yeah, and I'd say all those sort of apply to all of our fighting games. I mean, the Dragon Ball experience was pretty similar. Yep. I was better at Tekken because I put more time into it. Street Fighter, I got smashed yeah. like I, to the point where I don't know that I'm going to sign up for another Street Fighter tournament. Yes. Unless, I, unless I decide to just play it a lot more. 
but I find myself really enjoying the mix of Tekken and Dragon Ball, and because those two games are so different, mm-hmm. I feel like I can adjust more easily, but when I was going from Tekken, so I played the Tekken tournament, I got eliminated, and then like 10 minutes later I'm playing Street Fighter, because that's when my bracket was beginning, Yeah, I was still playing Tekken, like I was trying to jab people out of the air, that's not how you get people out of the air in Street Fighter, so the switch between the two is just, they're really close together in the one's 2D and one's 3D, mm-hmm. in terms of what I expect to do, but in terms of what the right strategy is, completely different. Yeah. So... Maybe stick with Tekken and Dragon Ball for the foreseeable future. At least still Soul Calibur. Yeah, at least still Soul Calibur. Okay. And that was our fighting game tournament experience. Yeah. We'll talk about indie games. Yeah, we saw a few indie games there. Yeah, let's let's. Uh, we had a couple. We, we played a lot of them. We saw even more. Um, I wish we had gotten to play more. We were just spending so much time on the esports. Yeah, we really like. We could have spent a lot of time. I mean, honestly, because every basically at every indie game section, two of the people from the company or the developers were there. Um, they all had demo setups. You could sit down and spend real time playing, you know, not just like a few seconds. Like they were like, no, please play the game. Right. Because when I was playing uh, one, which I'm not going to mention because it wasn't that good and it's not really worth <laughs> crapping on a pre-alpha build of a game. Sure. But the the guys who make the game were standing behind me, and I was hearing them say, "Oh yeah, we do need to add that. Oh, we should totally make it so if you hit if you hit X, it closes out all the menus." They sort of use it as focus groups. It's not just marketing, but it's also testing the game while they're watching. Yeah, they were absolutely like. There were things that I was trying to do that I felt were, should be obvious and that weren't. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, we should add that to the game. And I was like, yeah, you fucking should, man. <laughs> it's like, good at taking guys. It means they care enough about it to get to that next stage of quality. Yeah. Um, but there were, other, some, there were some other games that were pretty well far along, and I think we wanted to talk about a couple of them. Yeah, let's just kind of quickly go through them. Uh, the first one we played was Machia Villain. Yeah, that's actually the very first thing we the really very, did. Yeah, that was the first interaction we had. That wasn't just watching something. Yeah. And it's a game that's sort of like RimWorld, where you have a colony of people to manage, and you build stuff, build structures, gather resources, build more stuff. But the twist is that you have monsters instead of humans yeah. as the main character. And Zombies has, and skeletons. And these cute little monster graphics. Yeah. And it seemed like it was fun. It's hard to dive into that much depth at something like DreamHack, which I think is a problem with that sort of setup. Right. Especially because they have a lot of space there. Just, I don't know, it was necessarily the right venue Right, we're talking about it, so I mean, it's hard to say it's not for sure. I mean, I saw the consoles open pretty often. I, if Probably if you'd want to play, sat, stood there for an hour and played it, you probably could have. You could have, but then you're missing out on something else. Yeah, I was interested in the game, so that's kind of on my backlog to be in my backlog. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, D-League backlog. The D-League backlog. Yeah, that's on the D-League backlog for me. Uh, then we, played, we also played a game called Overpass, which I did want to mention. Uh, that was the, the rhythm kind of... It's a rhythm game. It's a rhythm game where you are sort of a first-person view zooming through a landscape. Yeah. And at different points, you either press left, center, or right, depending on what comes up on the screen at the right time, and you're doing it in sync with the music like a rhythm game does. It's original soundtrack. It felt like this this game felt like it was sitting in that gray area of game and art. Because clearly they spent a lot of time on the design and a lot of time on the music. And the game aspect itself was actually pretty simple. It looked unique, despite it being similar in a lot of ways to other things. Like yeah. it, 
the, the those types of graphics have been used before, and rhythm games have certainly been done before. But the combination of how they did everything did feel unique. If you were really into rhythm games, it's certainly one to follow. I've kind of fallen out of them as being a regular activity for me, but it was fun to play for the amount that we put in, and I'd probably play it here and there. Yeah. It felt like kind of a zoning zoning out game, a relaxing game. Yeah, it was relaxing. Yeah, it wasn't quite as stressful as playing something like Guitar Hero. Right. I guess that's a big aspect of it, because you're not doing multiple things at once. There was one level I was playing that was pretty difficult, but... Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I know what you mean, though. It's it's all like all original soundtrack. Uh, anyway, so that one's called Overpass. That's <laughs> it. One thing we stopped by it was uh, Pop Up Dungeon. Yeah, um, so which is being developed I, here in Austin, right? Which is uh, they're from Houston. Oh, from Houston. Okay, mm-hmm. unless they you know, moved recently. So I used to work with their, those developers when I owned Shiny Loot mm-hmm. and sold some of their games. So I already had a relationship with them. We talked a little bit. It's been a while since I've gotten a chance to speak to them. Pop Up Dungeon is this uh, rogue-like game. You go through a dungeon. You have these characters who. Uh, have basically infinite customization. That's kind of the really cool thing about the game is you can make your characters however you want to make them, but they're all counterweighted by different measures. Yeah, it, the game seems really set around um, care, like uh, community content, community-created content is what I'm trying to say. It's really built with the expectation that the people playing the game are going to provide the characters, the art. They've, they've built kind of a framework they have yeah. a framework for yeah creating your own unique models, just using yeah. sort of a box setup, right? So you have like yeah. four different corners or four different sides that you create your characters with. And then they they even have like even the abilities are you create your own abilities, right. and you load in your own artwork for the abilities. And there is a structure there where it's like, well, if you're going to add this kind of power, then you have to you're going to lose on this kind of power. And so your very first question to them was, well, how do you balance all of this? And they seemed to think they had a balance there, but. Oh, it's, I mean, it's hard to say, right? I didn't play it long enough. It was just 20 minutes and enough to say, make me think, this looks like a good game yeah. if they do everything right. And like you say, if the community grasps it and creates a lot of content for it, mm-hmm. you could really play it as your main sort of rogue type of game. I also like that you control a party of characters because it gives you more options for strategy and tactics. Yeah. But you could play it as just a single uh person, which allows you to kind of go through, through things more quickly if you wanted, and also have that classic rogue or net hack experience. Well, there's also, I think if I remember correctly, there's also a dungeon master character you can play. So you can almost treat yeah. it like a D&D campaign, but on a computer. And so it's like a multiplayer situation, so I could foresee having these online... Kind it's of, the same thing. If you get people yeah. together and they do it all right, right, and maybe people create modules for friends to be the dungeon master. Yeah. You can actually get a really deep experience. Could be. So that's really going to depend on the crowd. Um, we also played a game called Iron Oath. It's a game I kickstarted. Yeah, there you go. So I'm obviously excited about it. Uh, the concept. I, I played it for a little bit. I was enjoying my time, and then I broke it. <laughs> that part made me <laughs> concerned. Although, so the two people working there, I also worked with that company when I had worked at Shiny Loot and owned that. Uh, the person who was helping is like the music art guy, or just the art guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the programmer was elsewhere. <laughs> he was made it hard to fix the. That's right. Problem. He said, he said oh, "I wish that guy was here right now because I don't know how to." Because yeah, I, I'd opened up a menu screen and then it wouldn't close and then it froze and I was like, "I guess that's the end of my <laughs> demo." The end of the demo. What was your <laughs> thought of it? Part of that. Um, I'm interested. In the the uh, dungeon. Like fighting aspect is interesting. Um, I'm very curious about the guild management side of the game as well. Uh, that 
I don't know, that, that got me interested. He kind of told me a little bit about it, but I didn't really get to see any of that, so I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that's in the game yet. I think they're fleshing out the tactical combat in it. I think so, yeah. The game is sort of a fantasy XCOM where you run your own guild, yeah. and you have this world that changes while you're playing the game based on how you run your guild and what sort of actions and quests you take. That's a good way to put it. I think that's... But and that sounds interesting to me. Which I, which is why I backed it on Kickstarter. Yeah. It's something that I really wanted to, to be out there. I really like that XCOM style of game. And so I think they're doing it in a style that no one has tried before. Right. And, you know, hope, hopefully it works out. And we both have this one on our list. Black Future 88. You got to play that one. Yeah, I did. And I put it on the <laughs> list watched. mainly because I just wanted to say that it is a it's described as a synth-punk, roguelike, 2D action shooter uh, with all original music, which they are <laughs> releasing onto their own vinyl, which you, I looked Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, they're very excited about this game. It's, uh, it is interesting. It seemed fine. Yeah. It's, you do sort of 2D platforming shooting... It's very, it's difficult. Although no, I didn't find it as difficult as everybody was describing. I, I did pretty well, I thought. There's probably just different points where, depending on what gets randomized, yeah. it's more challenging, or if you don't find the right thing. I mean, there's some. I assume there's some sort of meta aspect. <laughs> otherwise, I would hate to play this game over and over because uh, you have basically 18 minutes to crawl, climb a tower, and kill a boss. And if you don't make it there, your heart explodes and you die. And you start over. <laughs> I like the timer element just because I wish more games would use time elements to add that extra stress factor. There was it, sometimes the game would get kind of disorienting. Uh, there's a lot of bright colors and flashing uh, lights, and then screen shaking on top of some very bizarre weapon effects, one of which would, every time you hit the enemy, it would reverse your positions, uh, which would cause the screen to freak out, um, which was, it took a minute to figure out what was happening too, because it was just, there's also, you know, effects all, all around it. And so, yeah, we were, we were kind of both standing there like, okay, what is happening right now? When I was watching, I was getting a headache. Yeah. From all of that. Yeah. I mostly wanted to mention it just so I could say the word synth punk roguelike 2D action shooter. Twice. Twice. Yes. And that's all we really got to play at the indie game section. There were other games there that looked cool. I wish we had gotten to spend more time with. But it's just a matter of this ended up being a bigger esports event than anything else. And yeah, it's really what we spent our time that's on. That's really and that I've never done that before. Even though I've gone to several conventions, I've never really just sat down and devoted most of my time to esports. So I was glad we did that. That's cool. So finally, we went to the arcade area. Free play arcade. The free play and arcade area. And played Blitz was the first Blitz thing. 2000. Yeah. The NFL Blitz 2000. <laughs> so that, was, that was great. Blitz, the screen was all messed. It was all decolored. <laughs> colors were hilarious. Mostly like gross greens and browns. Uh, that's okay. It's to represent the muddled memory of games in your <laughs> in your life. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Um, we played some more old Mortal Kombat games. Uh, I wanted to play Guitar Hero, but the line was very long. Um, it was an arcade set up for Dragon Ball Fighters, so you could play on an actual joystick if you didn't bring one. Yeah, they had a they had a whole whole bunch of. I think we said earlier there's a whole bunch of uh, consoles set up with different games. You could sit down and play. Uh, there was also a Dance Dance Revolution, and while I was walking by, somebody got a perfect with 340 moves or whatever they're measured by in the game. Wow. Uh, he was he was dancing and grooving. I believe it. You knew what he was doing. Yeah, the free play area stayed pretty busy the entire time that we were there, at least. Um, they also had some VR stuff, uh, which I mentioned a little bit in the bonus episode, but there's the... Uh, they had, like, exercise bikes and VR helmets. Oh, one thing they did have, which I thought was neat, I kind of wanted to play, but they had one of those rigs that, you know, you can run, 
in place, essentially. And you right. Can, you can turn and run and move around, and it gives you a sensation that you're moving around. Uh, but, you know, you're obviously being held in one place. I'd never seen one of those live or in action before. So I got to watch, I was watching someone play this zombie game where you have, like, two guns and you're killing zombies and running around this place. And you see them, like, in this rig moving around. It's kind of interesting. I'd like to do that at some point. I've seen those at conventions for a while now and yeah. just never wanted to stand in line to actually do it. Yeah. The lines are getting shorter, though, because it's becoming less and less novel. The line was pretty short. So we definitely, there was time to have done it if we wanted to. Yeah. But, yeah, it just wasn't high enough on the priority list. Yeah, I feel like also the technology probably has a ways to go. Probably, but still getting to see it at this level is fun, yeah. I imagine. Um, what other games were there outside of that? So there was, yeah, the console, free play, PC free play, and the arcade area. There was also air hockey, Oh, yeah. Good play. There's, we, a, there's one lone pinball machine. One lone pinball which machine did not work when I tried to use right. it. Right. Very mad about that. Yeah. Most. Uh, there was also that joust kind of game we played. I don't remember the name of it, but you got to play with four people, four. three or four people against three or four people on another giant screen. I did not understand that game. Uh, yeah, all I know is I was trying to kill your guys, yeah. and then somehow I won at some point. Yeah, it really didn't make I don't know why I won, I just know I killed some guys. But I did walk past at one point, and there were eight people playing it, four on four, and they were real into what was happening. I bet if we had played it more than once, we would have That's true. gotten somewhere with it. That's true. And also, if we had eight people, it right. would have been more fun. I don't think it's really a one-on-one -on -one game. Yeah, I think the main issue was that it was just around the corner from the Hearthstone Hall, and the smell was... Yeah. <laughs> it was starting to waft in. Yeah, just, I didn't... Just a little too close. Yeah, it's too close. So uh, back, yeah. back to the actual, you know, the actual games. All right. Yeah. Man. I, think that's, I think that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every Everything that was in the main Expo Hall area was great. Yeah. And everything that wasn't <laughs> might have been bad. Might have been bad. <laughs> Except for the panels. Those were obviously great. Probably. Yeah, I'm sure those were fine. But All everything right. else... All right, I'm gonna, let's close it down. Um, so hit us up at uh, no sick days podcast at gmail.com and or go to our website. No sick days podcast.com. Dot com and all, all of our social media. Yeah, you find links to all the good social media stuff. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all, the, all those things. And because uh, we obviously post so much to any of it. We're about to start. It's it's coming. We get to that point where we're actually going to be promoted. Get in on the ground level. Yeah, this is, this is the early days. Um yeah, and then also look for that bonus episode. It's going to be exclusively content from DreamHack. Uh, we're going to have that out hopefully before the next week's episode. And you can check that out. Here's some of the stories we alluded to. Uh, some of the very funny moments catch us in, catch us in, the, uh, in the moment of DreamHack. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that's it for the week. Unless you got anything else. Tekken 7 is $29.99. Oh, too expensive. <laughs> Close. Well, I'll subsidize you $5. <laughs> I'll think about it. All right. Right. Very fun dream hack experience. Would we'll do again. Absolutely would we'll do it again next year. Looking forward to our 2019 podcast of Dream Hack. Hell yeah, I mean, we'll get press patches and everything. Oh yeah, it's a completely different look. Oh yeah. Alright, um, well I'm John. I'm Chris. And uh, we'll see y'all next time. Bye.